So, hi, here's Florian from 99 Startups, and I'm today here with Olivia. So, Olivia, introduce hi, yourself. Thank you. Hello, Florian. Florian is a French style. Of yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm Olivia, uh, with this very difficult last name, Chad Vertinsky. <laughs> so, um, uh, how to introduce myself? Um, my real passion is flamenco. I'm a flamenco dancer. Okay, wow. This is why I decided uh, about 13 years ago to go to live in Spain. So I lived in Spain for 10 years. This is where I started my professional life. So I started in big advertising agencies. Then I started the first blogger platform in Spain. It's called Influencia. That's now it's quite in, important in Spain. And then from there, I turned to co-working. I was part of a team that started a co-working. Uh, that's good. Now it's quite huge. In, it's called Utopicas. It's quite huge in, in Madrid, in Spain, and you know, yeah, in all Spain. And from there, I started my own company because I detected that working in the co-working, that the Spanish startup, they had a lot of problem connecting with international media and journalists. As I knew some journalists, I was trying to understand that. And this is why I decided to help startups to understand the media industry and understand how to carry out successful PR campaign. But the most important is really be sure that PR is relevant for them and it will help them to achieve their business goal. Yeah, awesome. So um, so you're quite a PR expert. So what are the three key problems startups run into when they try to work with PR? What's your experience with that? So the first and main problem is that they don't have a clear goal. So this is a big problem because visibility and branding is not a goal. You should have what we call smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-related. And the most important of these words is measurable. How are you going to success the? Oh, sorry, how are you going to measure the success of your campaign if you don't know the metrics to measure it? No. So your goal has to be measurable. An example: If you say I want to get uh, visibility for my new launch, this is not a goal. If you say I want 10,000 more traffic to my website and from that get 10 new leads, you say okay, this is a specific goal, so measurable. So does PR will help you help me to achieve this specific goal? This is the question. So. What are the, the main problems when PR doesn't work? So you set the other goals and you don't reach them. So what's your next step after that? If you saw, okay, I got 10,000 visits, but no leads. All right. So this is the second problem, I would say. Um, there is a big campaign mismanagement. Um, as, of course, PR is not easy. It's You need a lot of resources. You know, you, you need know-how. Um, so you, you have to be prepared for PR. You have to prepare your message. Uh, many startups come to me and say, Olivia, I spent $15,000 on PR campaign for my crowdfunding, and I raised only 6000 instead of 20000 Because why? And they were featured everywhere in all media. Why? Because the message was not clear and was not really targeted to the people who will buy and put money on their campaign. So sometimes PR is not the solution. So there is a big campaign mismanagement because they don't know where to start, where to stop. And then the third point is... Um, that they don't know other alternatives. As if you know your goal, you know your message, so maybe doing PR is not the solution. Maybe you should do Google AdWords if you want to sell on a specific time period. For example, yeah, I want to increase my sales in Christmas. Maybe doing Google AdWords is better. Or Twitter ads, Facebook ads, email sequence, um, 
commercial visits. There are many possibilities, no? So that's what I did during these uh, last four years. I created a methodology with metrics and with templates so startup can evaluate the risk and see if PR is really relevant for them. And if they do it, then they can optimize their resources. So for, for which goals PR is the best? What is your experience there? Hmm, that's difficult, I would say. More than the goal, it would be the stage of the startup also. Okay. Um, so it depends on where are you on the development of your startup and the resources you have. Um, because a fast-growing startup, many times they also have big resources, so they can afford that. Maybe they are not on the specific stage for PR, but they can afford doing that. The problem with PR is that everybody thinks that it's just sending email to journalists, but it's much more than that. It takes at least between two or three months to prepare a PR campaign. So it depends on the resources you can really spend on it. And if you have a very specific goal, then it's good. I would say any measurable goal is good, um, but you have to be sure that you will have the time, money, human resources and knowledge to do it. Okay, so um, it makes sense that like Google, Facebook, like Google and Facebook adverts have a more direct effect. So you spend something and you can directly see if something comes back. So the main problem is that PR is really more long-term. But is the, the potential return bigger from PR that you potentially reach more people or potentially can get better leads what is there the potential advantage uh, i don't think so okay. <laughs> i think uh, the effect could be the same the preparation could be the same because if your message is not clear on the facebook ads you won't you get won't get any traffic or any okay. click you know adwords the same so for me i think it's at least it's the same kind of preparation it's just about what and who you want to reach and with the resources you have what would be the best channel, right? Wow. What happened is PR is that maybe, as you say, maybe on the short or long term, it will give you uh, more because it can be that from a campaign in Germany, suddenly someone from CNN is interested in your project and then Mashable TechCrunch was with Journal and then the Chinese media. That happened a lot. It's like the snowball effect, no? That happened a lot in, um, in PR, in media, and not so much maybe on pay-per-click campaign as yeah. Facebook, Twitter, and, and Google AdWords. But at the end, for me, the preparation is the same. Yeah. So you also check more with the, the messages and, and how you approach that, and then the result is, is hard to measure, kind of, that's your, your, your thinking. How to there. measure and, and how to see the relevance, that's the most important, no? Like, is it really PR relevant for you right now to achieve your business goal, and, and will that help you to grow faster? So what are examples when it's relevant? Like what are examples you have where you say, okay, exactly here you should go on PR? When your message is clear and you have your communication material ready, I would say because when you do PR, you generate a lot of traffic to your website. That's like obvious that's going to happen. So there is two things. First, you generate traffic by the journalist. So you have to be ready for journalists. That's the first problem. And I I talked, to that, I talked about that for international PR. When you try to go out of your country, journalists normally, they won't call you. They won't try to do you an interview. They will go to your website and try to find information directly there. Yeah. If they are in New York 
and you are in Berlin with a time frame that, are, that is different, I don't think they will try to reach you. So this is why it's good to have a press room ready for them with all the information they need, um, with the picture in high definition of your press release, all they could need. That's one thing. And the other thing is, once you are federal media, is generate this traffic to your website. What do you want people to do in your website? What kind of message for each page? What call to action? So you have to get all that ready, you know? And this is how I would say, once you are ready and you have a clear idea, then yeah, you can you can try it out. But then there is all the the other part of contacting a journalist, a good email title, a good email, uh, email message, no text inside uh, that has to be nowadays visual. Journalists hate PDF nowadays. <laughs> like uh, there is a very good blog post of Mike Butcher, that's a very famous journalist about that. That he hates PDF. Don't send me PDF anymore. Uh, there are many tips and tricks that it's good to know. But if you have resources, you can also. Uh, ask a PR agency to do that for you and just be clear of what you want from that, you know. Awesome. So so that's like the typical sign that you have a famous press kit button. Then behind that is waiting the typical stuff of texts, uh, good pictures and so on. Mm. Um, cool. So um You have a quite a journey in communication or like in PR behind you. What are the key learnings from this this journey? What was the the main the main stuff comes always again? Um, I think in PR it's the learning by doing. Uh, because I've seen so many companies putting money on PR without having any ideas of what's PR. So I always recommend try to have what I call the front line. The front line will be these 15, 20 journalists that are the one who will always help you um, in your communication journey, like publishing your stuff and try to understand them, follow them on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, try to learn how it works, the media industry. You know? um, for me, that's the most important. Like, Don't put your money without knowing in something. Just You don't have to be an expert, but just understand what this agency is doing for you, you know, because once you, in pro, in what happened in PR a lot was you don't have the money anymore, you don't have anything. You don't have journalist lists, you don't have emails, you don't, you don't have anything. So um, try to know if one day you don't have the resources anymore for that, you can do it by yourself, you know, at least understand a minimum how it works. Yeah, yeah. And in your personal entrepreneur journey, what were... There are your experiences, your learnings. In general. In general. Um, if you work on it, you're going to get it. Uh, life will give it to you. And I would say you have to have a lot of patience. That's what I'm still learning. <laughs> It's a big uh, virtue. Um, and trust also, no? I would say... Many times I should trust myself more, you know, because then I realize that, yes, it's working. But when you're starting something new, because when I started, you know, the PR world is something very already set and old. And I started with something quite new with a methodology and kind of trying to change the way um, startup understand journalists. This is why we do this speed dating of journalists and startup, no, meet the media. And so when something totally new, you always have this fear of, is it what they need? Is it what 
so we did various pilot and it was very successful but you have to trust yourself sometimes more if you feel it's a good thing just do it so it's like always uh, go with your feelings and don't let the fear of failing stop you right Yeah, except if, if you, what I do a lot is survey before, so pilot, if I realize that pilot was not successful, then I just stop and I pivot or I just change. I don't know. Like I try to, um, if I see that it's not going to be successful, not going to work, then I stop. Also, you have to know when to stop. Yeah. So a lot of people say that the business world is a men's world. So how was your experience uh, as a woman? What were advantages or disadvantages in your journey? So for me, I would say it was more advantages. Um, I, it's, uh, it has always been positive to me, I think, um, because, it, of course, I was also living in Spain and maybe there were not so much women as entrepreneurs. Um, and then here in Berlin also, like people would like the fact that a woman is doing something and it also in communication there are many women so I think yeah. it was quite a field it's not a too difficult field I'm not in a chemical uh, tech thing <laughs> so <laughs> a very uh, deep engineering problem um, so it's not so difficult for me I would say that that's just for the joke more like a joke I don't know how to talk like for the story when I got pregnant uh, two years ago I had this fear I was uh, a bit scared of showing my belly and seeing that my, what my client gonna say. I signed a contract for one year and I think, oh, how I'm gonna tell that to them, you know? How oh, I'm gonna do that? And at the beginning, I was really trying to hide my belly and then I say, okay, this is it, you know, there is a moment you cannot hide anymore. And and it was really, the answer was really positive. And I felt like, oh, you're stupid, Olivia, why you were thinking that everybody was super happy and I didn't lose any clients. At the contrary, it was very positive for me also because I defined better what I wanted to do because when you became a mother, you have less time, so you are more yeah. productive. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very positive. And so as a woman, is this men wall at the end, for me, it was really positive. And maybe, maybe because it's Germany and it's Berlin, I don't know how it would be in Spain or in other world. But here in Germany, they're very family-friendly, you know, so it was quite positive. For me, it always has been an, ad an advantage. So, yeah, yeah I cannot complain. <laughs> you already said that, like, it helps you to focus better because you have less time to work. Yeah. Um, what else were um, tricks or tactics, how you keep a balance between work, family, and uh, free time? Um... That's a good question. I think I'm still trying to do it, figure out what's the best uh, solution, because there is some uh, uh, variables, some things that happen that uh, you, you like your your a child is sick or things like that. That even if you have your program, it's you have changes coming that are not programmed, so it's quite difficult. Um, but maybe some, that I would say I would say something that uh, feels really cold but is like that for me uh, my child is uh, like a project so I would take my family life as a project so when you do a project you really focus on it and um, you take it as a dedication and you dedicate time to it so This is, I think this is it. That's what, for me, this is, like my family life is like a, another Im very important project to me. And so this is how I would find the balance, no? That um, it, it has mu as much as importance as the rest, and that's important, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it makes sense to see this as a project and then um, to, to see that you do the best out of it. Um, 
So what you would say is your biggest challenge today? My biggest challenge it would be to reinvent myself okay. because I really like that. That's why I jumped from different uh, companies or a project, you know, from the blogger platform to the co-working to know my company. So now it's my own company, so I, I really have to all the time reinvent myself, refresh what I do, uh, even the methodology I have. I still have to improve it based on, on feedback. I cannot just sit and say, okay, this is it, you know. Um, um, I think that's the most difficult part. It's always trying um, to get to improve. Yeah, I think this is this is the most difficult in a way, and uh, improving your service, improving what you offer, getting deeper in that. Um, yes. <laughs> so for improving, you always uh, have the challenge to to um, to educate yourself that you have ideas how you can improve. Mm -hmm. So what is your strategy there? Before I was the event woman, I would go to every meetup, events, meet people. My network was I mean, in Spain was pretty good, and here also when I arrived, I was trying really to, uh, yeah, to be everywhere. Of course, with a child, it's more difficult. So I'm really choosing um, because for me, meeting people, the events always have been the best way to meet new people to. Um, to update myself about new things, you know. Like right now, for example, I'm really interested about, of course, blockchain and and that topic that I'm really, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'm really not an expert in that and I would like to know more and understand more at least. Um, so I, I choose very well where I go before I will go to all of them. And then I read a lot. I read a lot on the internet. I have really my feeds, you know, every morning and I read a lot about it. So, yeah, coming now, two questions out. How you decide uh, if an event is good or not? What's your, your metric there? Wow, that's a very good question. I think it's kind of a feeling, no, at the end. Um, of course, the topic, you know, that are topics that are really, I know there is a blockchain event I would like, uh, like previously there were the C3 conference uh, about blockchain and everything. I was really interested in that. They were doing a workshop. Um, Yeah, some specific meetup of people that I know that are good or some or some co-working that I like and I know that always uh, do a very good content curation. Yeah, it's more that. And the second question, um, what are the sources of your favorite reading feeds or your favorite books? The sources? Yeah, like or like if it links, like what is the website mm -hmm. named and if it's books, what are the, book, the books named? All right, so I think there is one book right now because... Uh, I read so much and I just uh, don't remember <laughs> where it was, where it came from. Um, but there is one book right now that I really like uh, because for me it's always been a big question no? about uh, creativity, originality and effectiveness. And there is a book that's called The Case for Creativity. Okay. And it explains how uh, very original and creative ads or communication action will be more effective and more and most important will help company to sell more so it's scientifically proved that the more original and creative it enter in your emotion emotional brain and at the end it will help company to sell more so that's what's really interesting because it's true and in marketing many times we think about the basics but we forget the creativity and it's the same with communication when you write to a journalist you write this specific 
kind of boring email. And at the end, they are bored of every day receiving the same. So they're really happy when you are creative, you find a new way to make them love. You put a nice gift, I don't know, whatever, you know. That's um, a very attractive and different email title because when they don't know you, that's one of the most important things in your campaign. <laughs> um, and at the end, it's true. Creativity and originality help you to sell more and to be more effective. So, so be not... creative in your work. That's what yeah. I want to say. And we can see that with many companies, if you see MailChimp when they started uh, with the monkey, you know, for example, they really changed the way email, like email marketing automation will talk to the because normally it's a boring platform and they put this monkey it was super successful and all these companies that really try to change a bit the tone of voice already been successful yeah. yeah so the last question I have for you if you could go back in time to your 20 year old self what would you tell your 20 year old self or what for advice you would give I think patience yeah like just work, of course work on it no, and and, and be patient but just If you want to do it, do it. But I was really lucky in my 20-year-old. I always did what I wanted to do. So until now, I really cannot complain. Um, life has been really good to me. <laughs> so each time I wanted something, I really worked on it. It was not like just coming from the sky, but I really worked on it. And then the door just opened to me. So that was really positive. Cool. Thank you very much for taking <laughs> the time. Thank you, Florian. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, see you next time, guys. See you, bye.